Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 213, 213. <laughs> 213. Like regulated. Wait. Is that regulators? <laughs> like, wasn't that oh. the regulators that Warren G and they say something, something in the 213? 213. <laughs> Episode 213 of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast presented by Overdrive. Hi, Adam. You're back. I'm back. We've gotten messed up early on episodes many times, but that might have been the earliest. That was like instant. I am back. I seriously, I, I, I cannot... I can no longer fault you when you have that moment of forgetting what the episode was because you told me mm-hmm. seconds before, and then as soon as I started, I just blanked on what the episode well, was. I think the problem is, and this is when we got to the 100s as well, like 100 through 119 is weird to say, and then the same thing with 200 through 219, and then like... When we get to after the 219 was like 220, 221. It's just easier to say, but we're both like 230. That sounds the 213. Shoot. And then there's just, <laughs> and then there it is. Anyway, what are we doing today? Uh, today is our April books episode where we talk about all the books coming out in April. Yes, we do. Um, I'm excited. I had a panic attack this morning because I'm out of the office tomorrow at time of recording and so we're recording this on tuesday we release on thursday so normally we record on tuesday or wednesday i was like oh god we uh we right. can't do wednesday because i'm signing papers to sell my house officially finally finally you guys uh selling houses is stressful um but i realized this morning i was like hey let's record and you're like cool and i was like oh wait this is the episode we <laughs> i need to it tell is. you what books i like so yeah um but i think i did well i have like I think I have 12, but... I have 10. Okay, well, three of mine are... That was my water bottle, everyone. Three of mine are authors who have been on before, who are all YA authors who have books that are all coming out that I just wanted to mention quickly in the middle of mine. So I think I really have, like, 10, technically. Plus, I'm sure at least one we both have on our list, because I sent it to you yesterday. Okay, I was wondering if you were going to put it on. I did at the okay. end of mine, so I can easily delete it when you talk about it okay. if you want. Um, so as always, we go back and forth. We don't tell each other these lists ahead of time. And usually we, we do a good job of creating an extensive list for you guys. Um, if you want to get a hold of us, did you do that part already? Nope. Okay, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at ProBookNerds. You can email us at ProfessionalBookNerds at overdrive.com got some feedback from our big library read episode which was very nice and it also made me realize um the person asked hey i don't know if my library is doing big library read because you don't really see it until it goes up until it goes live yeah yeah it'll go up on monday but if you're curious and you want to email us i will happily look it up for you it takes like two seconds on our end to see if your library is participating odds are they are but if they're not we can there's still time for us to bug them so let us know if you want us to look it up by email or twitter tell us what your library is we'll find it 
I'm gonna laugh. We get like a hundred of these. Like ah, nah, crap. I regret that. <laughs> I'm just gonna pour them all to you. That's fair. I'll. That's. T- I was the one who said it, so I will happily do it. And here's another one. <laughs> um, do you want to start, or do you want me to start? You can start. Okay. I think I'm gonna butcher this name of the book, but I think it's called Circe by Madeline Miller. Circe, I think. Is it Circe? I wasn't sure if it was Circe. It's on my list too. I think because it's. Yeah. I think it's from. It's a. Um, character from mythology. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But I... I always knew it as Circe, but okay. I, I could be wrong. I'm so used to the spelling of Circe from Game of Thrones, <laughs> Game of Thrones. that I wasn't sure this I could be, be wrong. I, one, of, one of us is wrong, usually, which is usually <laughs> the case. So this is um, the follow-up from Madeline Miller. She wrote Song of Achilles, and it is all about the daughter of Helios, who's the god of the sun, and he's one of the titans. Um... Circe, 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 whoever she is, uh, she doesn't have powers like her father or her mother, but she finds out that she is a witch and can make people, well, she has the power of witchcraft. Uh, she can transform people into monsters and do all sorts of stuff, and she tends to side with the humans because she doesn't have any gods that she kind of bonds with, and I don't know, it sounds really interesting. I'm really into mythology. I love old Greek and Roman books. So you can also talk about this if you would like. Since we've no, I actually looked it up. I didn't even occur to me to like look up the pronunciation, but I think it's a hard C. Which C? Both. <laughs> Ki- like Kirky? Kirky? I don't know. Maybe someone will be able to tell us how to actually pronounce oh, it. I bet there's people just screaming. They at, probably like, are. Like, they're probably yelling at us. Adam, jail, you idiots. Um, but no, I, I, I'm... This is, why we need, this is why we need Alexa. I know. Which you'll soon be able to use with Libby. We can talk about that now because we talked about it at the conference I was at. We can. Yeah, it's actually it's possible by the time this goes live it'll be happening. But in the very near future, you'll be able to use Libby on Alexa. You'll basically ask Alexa what's on my what's on what's on my Libby shelf, and then you can start playing your your books through uh, through Alexa. Please don't email us asking about Google Home and other ones. Alexa first, and we'll we'll see how that works. But our development team has to create all of these from scratch. Yes. Anyway, and it's fun. If we had Alexa, we could figure we out would, how this We would be pronounced. able to pronounce it properly. Yeah. Okay, so that's both of our first ones, but you can now you can go. Awkward. Okay, yeah. um, I'm going to do... Um, where'd he go? The Geraldo Show. <laughs> Geraldo Rivera has a memoir coming out. I love Geraldo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that one just kind of... I don't think I need to say too much. Yes. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I used to love Geraldo. He was always... He's always my favorite. Great mustache. <laughs> he has a fantastic mustache. Uh, he's a fantastic. He's fantastic. Mustache. And his glasses too. He's like, just like everything. Does like he have the, the tiny full, glasses? Um, like the small circle glasses, like almost John Lennony. A little bit, yeah. Guys, I just came back from like ten days of travel. <laughs> this is gonna be weird. Oh man. Uh, is that all I have to say about that that's one? That's all I gotta say. Okay. <laughs> Uh, my next one is Noir by Christopher Moore. Good? Okay. You're giving me you're giving me the look. Um, so this is kind of like a humorous take on old noir films and stories that were really popular. So as as most noir, as most noirs are, it's, it takes place in San Francisco. I feel like all of them either are in San Francisco or LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but hearing the description of it, it almost reminds me of like Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Like, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. There's all of these 
very stereotypical noir type characters. Um, there is a dame. She's a comely blonde named Stilton. And then in parentheses, like the cheese. Um, she walks into a gin joint and the owner's name is Sammy Two Toes Tiffin. Like there's just, it's, it's so noir-y and um, it just sounds really, really funny. Uh, Christopher Moore, he's a, a humorous writer. I, I'm excited about this. I don't want to, honestly, I feel like you don't need too much information about it. Um, but they describe it as think Raymond Chandler meets Damon Runyon with more than a dash of Bugs Bunny and the Looney Tunes All-Stars. So when I read the description, I wasn't too off, too far off with yeah. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That is pretty on, yeah. yeah. Noir by Christopher Moore. I have My Lady's Choosing by Kitty Curran and Larissa Zagaris. This is a choose-your-own-adventure. I saw this. A romance. This, actually, when I was at um, Midwinter, this was recommended to me by two librarians who had read advanced reader copies. Um, And they suggested, and I feel like this is probably accurate, don't read the digital version. It works better as a physical book. Yeah, that's totally fair. Because I have tried reading some of the other, you know, there's other, the, the Shakespeare, Choose Your Own Adventures, and they don't work quite as well in yeah. um, in digital version. But yeah, so this is a, um, it's a romance one that lets you choose your own adventure romance novel. Listen, you can't, the, the, the problem with a digital Choose Your Own Adventure is you can't keep your finger on the previous page and be like, no, I didn't do that, I didn't do that, I didn't do that. I used to do that all the time with the R.L. Stein oh. Choose Your Adventures. Every time. I'm like, no, I didn't die. I was I just didn't. kidding. No, no. I, just, I was just testing it. I'm going to go back and start over again. It's totally. Uh-huh. It's totally. It's like when I play Zelda. I'm like, oh, we're just going to um, go back to my last save and <laughs> start over where my last was. I feel like I've been playing Zelda, uh, like, just through your your tweets. I, like, follow along. It makes me very happy. Guys. I think I'll like a whole thing about Zelda. I won't, but I could. Joe and I have a whole conversation about it where I literally am like living vicariously through her because my obsessive personality would not let me play open world video games because I feel like I would never stop playing them. So I'm just living vicariously every I, time you tweet. I could probably figure out a way to like make it somewhat book related, like talk about books. Oh, for sure. There's a Minecraft book. We could justify this. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's Zelda books. Uh, well, there's like the guides. You think about <laughs> Are they digital? Um, yeah. Oh, man, that's really funny. Is it... It's my turn. Yes. It is her turn. Jeez. Okay. So here are my three... These are all three YA diverse books coming out, but I want to mention them all really quickly because they've all been past guests. Um, and they're all... Well, two of the three of them are connected to other books. So the first one is Rebound by Kwame Alexander. This is the prequel to The Crossover, which was his Newbery Award winning... Uh, novel that was written in prose, which is fantastic. Um, and he was, let me just do some buzz marketing for ourselves. Uh, Kwame Alexander was episode 97. So again, that's the prequel to the crossover. It tells the story of the father of the two main characters from the crossover. The second one is Sunny, which is by Jason Reynolds. Uh, this is a follow-up from his books Ghost and Patina. He's writing these four books about this um, inner city track team. And Sonny is the third one of those. There'll be one more coming out called Lou. Jason Reynolds was episode number, please hold, 170. 
And then the third one of these is called Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. This is not a follow-up to any other, but it is very timely. It's about a 12-year-old African-American boy who was shot and killed by a police officer um, when he sees his toy gun uh, in his hand, which is a very prescient thing in Cleveland, because that's basically kind of what happened here in our city, unfortunately. Um, Jerome becomes a ghost, and as a ghost, he observes the devastation that happens in his community after his passing. He meets another ghost from a very different time named Emmett, who kind of helps him process what happened. Um, it doesn't, it sounds like it'll be kind of a tough read, but Joel is amazing and writes fantastic work, so I think it's definitely going to be worth it. And she is all the way back on episode 22. Yeah, that was an early one. So... All three of those, uh, Rebound by Carmel Alexander, Sunny by Jason Reynolds, and Ghost Boys by Jewel Parker Rhodes. Um, A, I would highly recommend any of those for any of our listeners, but also if you have any reluctant readers in your life, I think those would be good ones to, to give them. Okay. Okay. I have um, God Save Texas by Lawrence Wright. This is um, the author behind Going Clear, the book about Scientology, and The Looming Tower on Hulu right now is based on his book, um, so this is his sort of journey into the state of Texas. I think, you know, um, it, the description talks about how there's sort of this idea of what Texas is from a very big picture point of view. Um, it's a red, very funny. It's a red state that has an elected Democrat in a statewide office in more than 20 years, but he kind of goes deeper into um, the intricacies of the the blue cities and um you know oil is still king in texas but apparently texas now leads california in technology export so he sort of takes a really really according to the description of the well book. yeah i mean i think it's trusted. um and so i'm actually i have family um in texas um because of oil took my grandpa there decades ago so i'm i'm you know interested i think texas is sort of an interesting state to look at for the reasons it looks one way, but when you get in deeper, it's a little bit different. When you said oil took your grandpa there, I'm imagining like um, how Scrooge McDuck swims in the gold coins in the beginning of DuckTales. Imagining like your your grandpa like floating down a river of oil with a no. with a fun song in the background. Not quite. Oil tales. Ooh. He worked for Shell, so Shell Shell Tales. Shell. No, it doesn't work. Shell sales. All right. <laughs> Didn't you miss me? <laughs> sort of. Maybe. Not answering. Yeah. Um, Texas is a very interesting place. Because you're right. It's a very red state, but then there's, there's cities like Austin and Houston and San Antonio. And um, it is big. Okay. It is very big. <laughs> uh, my next one is The Only Story by Julian Barnes. Uh, Julian Barnes is the Man Booker Prize winning author of The Sense of an Ending. Um, this one's very, uh, the idea of this is really unique. So the premise of the story is that while all of us live lives that are full of, of stories that are definitely worth telling, there's usually only like one big story in everyone's life where like if you're looking back, that's the one that kind of will stick with everyone. And then this book is about the fictional character who this is their particular story so uh the main character's name is paul and he comes from home from his university one day and he's 19 years old 
and he goes to this uh, mixed doubles tennis tournament at the tennis club that his parents belong to, and he gets partnered with uh, this 48-year-old female who seems very confident, but she's married with a uh, kind of abusive husband, and these two, the 19-year-old and the 48-year-old, end up kind of falling in love for a while, and then they fall out of love, and um, it just seems really unique and really interesting, and the fact that like it's a person looking back on his life and being like, I know now that this was my one great story to tell seems like a really interesting way to look at it. So that's the only story by Julian Barnes. I have Inseparable by Yun Tae Wong. This is a nonfiction book um, that examines Chang and Aang, who are the Siamese uh, twins um, from the 1800s who kind of gained a lot of notoriety. And it just sort of, you know, Wong kind of looks at their life and and being brought to America for entertainment purposes and the sideshow and carnivals, um, which is always just a deeply depressing and yet equally fascinating subject matter. And, um, you know, in terms of famous pairs or famous people that come out of the sideshow carnival business, um, Chang and Aang are probably up there at the top. Yeah. The only other ones I can think of, and I don't even think it's technically a sideshow, but like there's that those Canadian octuplets, I think. Oh yeah. Um, but they weren't really the same. It's not the same. It's situation. not quite the same. No, but they were. They were also exploited, in a way. Yeah. Oh well. Yes. Very much so. So. Um, my next one is Happiness by Amanata Forna. Um, this is a story that takes place in London and. There are these two pedestrians that collide because they get distracted by a fox that is um, running across the Waterloo Bridge. Uh, one of the people, her name is Jean, she's an American studying the habitats of urban foxes. And then there's Attila, who's like a Hanian uh, psychiatrist there to deliver a keynote speech. After they encounter one another, uh, basically they end up trying to find a, a person who is connected to Attila who ends up missing. And so Jean helps by like using basically the different ways that she can track these foxes and the different people that she meets in London that helps her track these foxes. And it just sounds very, very different than anything that I have read. So um, that is Happiness by Amanata Forna. I have The Feather Thief by Kirk Wallace Johnson. Um, so, I'm just going to read the description. Go for it. On a cool June evening in 2009, after performing a concert at London's Royal Academy of Music, 20-year-old American flautist Edwin Reist boarded a train for a suburban outpost of the British Museum of Natural History. Home to one of the largest ornithological collections in the world, the museum was full of rare bird specimens whose gorgeous feathers were worth staggering amounts of money to the men who shared Edwin's obsession. The Victorian art of salmon fly tying. Once inside the museum, the champion fly tire grabbed hundreds of bird skins, some collected 150 years earlier by a contemporary of Darwin's, and escaped into the darkness. Two years later, Kirk Wallace Johnson was waist-high in a river in northern New Mexico when his fly fishing guide told him all about the heist. He was soon consumed by the strange case of the feather thief. What would possess a person to steal ten birds? I I mean, that just (laughs) alone, yeah. 
Um, had Edwin paid the price for his crime and what became of the missing skins? So then he kind of goes on this years-long worldwide investigation to find out sort of why and what happened. And it has a fantastic cover. The cover's gorgeous. Um, so I'm actually really excited for this. It was... Um, likened to The Stranger in the Woods, The Lost City of Z, and The Orchid Thief, all of which are fantastic yeah. books. Lost City of Z. Then that, that just became a movie or a show? It did. I actually saw it at the film festival last year. Nice. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. Okay. I mean, the book was good. I, yeah. um, my, speaking of gorgeous covers, my next one is The Milk Lady of Bangalore. Did you see this cover? I don't think so. You should look it up while I'm talking. Um, Bangalore is B-A-N-G-A-L-O-R-E. Uh, this is by Shoba Narayan, and it is an autobiography. And when Shoba returns back to India with her family from the United States, uh, she opens an elevator door going to her um, going to her apartment, and she meets this woman who is <laughs> standing next to a cow in the elevator, taking the cow up to the third floor because they use cows to have a to do housewarming ceremonies, kind of like bless houses. Um, in this area that they they live in and she kind of like smiles when she sees it because she feels like she's back at home and so these two women end up connecting over not only cows but also kind of family and life and all sorts of different things um shoba agrees to buy her new friend a new cow and so then they're they set off looking for just the right heifer and what was at first a simple economic transaction becomes something much deeper uh though never without a hint of slapstick this is the type of way I love reading about cultures that I'm unfamiliar with. Is like when it's kind of a light-hearted memoir about like explaining. It was kind of like um, Flat Broke with Two Goats. It's like I learned all about kind of homesteading, and I I don't think I could ever live on a farm just because I'm not. I don't know any how, how to do any of the things. But um, Jennifer Magaha kind of learned on the fly, so it was cool for me to get to re- listen to it. Same thing here. I don't think that I'll ever live in India. But it's cool to see how, like, the culture works by seeing two people interact with each other. Right. And again, the cover. The cover's fun. I looked it up. Yeah. So. It's a fun cover. That's the Milk Lady of Bangalore. I have The Home for Unwanted Girls by Joanna Goodman. Um, this is just the story of a young unwed mother um, in the 1950s who is separated from her daughter at birth, and then uh, they kind of both sort of struggle to find each other uh, later in life. Um, it's, you know, it's one of those things that, as far as topics go, I think is sad to think about uh, how, you know, back then, being a single mom wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of depressing. Yeah. But. <laughs> Speaking of depressing... My next one is called Natural Causes by Barbara Eichenreich. Uh, it is nonfiction, and this one hit very close to home to me. So my, for some context, my wife likes to joke that I'm very much like Chris Traeger from Parks and Recreation in the sense that, like, I am, like, almost, I'm sometimes overly healthy about things, like, to a fault. Like, I try to run as much as I can. Like, I will, like, mentally kill myself if I have, like, too much unhealthy food and all sorts of stuff. And this book is basically goes into breaking down the fact that like you can be as healthy as you want to be, but like 
the way that our bodies are like internally there's just sometimes there's just nothing you can do if you're going to get sick and so it's learning how to understand the fact that like even though you can try to be like eat the most perfect things and you can try not to do anything unhealthy for yourself like sometimes your cells will just start promoting cancer and they'll you know they'll actively yeah that (laughs) happens exactly so it's but it's always like it's it's very serious in the way that it's like trying to teach you how to understand all these things, but it also has a lot of humor in it. And I feel like it will be very healthy for me to read this book to maybe lighten up on myself if I want to have more than one cheat day. So also speaking of kind of dark humor and fun covers, uh, the cover is the Grim Reaper running on a treadmill. Nice. Mm-hmm. I like it. I wrote that. I just realized there was a book I didn't write down because I figured you would and now we'll see. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, I know you still have more left, uh-huh. but that made me think of... I have three left, but go ahead. Okay. No, it's fine. Um, I have Make Trouble by Cecile Richards. Cecile, of course, is the president of Planned Parenthood Federation of America and um, is the daughter of the late Governor Ann Richards. And she has sort of written a book about her activism and... Um, her life and role in being a woman in American politics and all that that has um, encompassed. So, you know, she worked as a labor organizer and has done so much activism. And I'm I'm really excited to um, read her memoir, especially now with so much happening in the world with especially young activists. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think it'll be good. Young people rule. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Um, my next one is My Dear Hamilton. I thought that might be the one. Okay. Uh, this is a novel of Eliza Schuyler Hamilton. So it's historical fiction, but it is all about um, Eliza, who, if you are familiar with Hamilton, is, you know, Alexander Hamilton's husband. Nope. Wife. Sheesh. Um, but she's much more than that. Yes, she is a founding father's wife, but she's also a general's daughter. She's the last surviving light of the revolution. Um, all sorts of stuff. Um, again, it's historical fiction, so I, I honestly didn't really read too much about the description. I just saw that it was, you know, this is just a good job of, of marketing by them. They called it My Dear Hamilton, and it's it's a novel of Eliza Schuyler Hamilton. And I was like, yep, but not on hold. So that's by Stephanie Dre and Laura Camois, I want to say, or Camoe. K-O-M. O-I-E, I think, Camois. I have no idea. Uh, I have <laughs> How to Write an Autobiographical Novel, Essays, by Alexander Chi. He, of course, wrote The Queen of the Night, which came out a few years ago and was just phenomenal. Um, and so these are some essays about his uh, life and kind of the intersections he hits from being a Korean-American, an artist, um, he's gay, and it just sort of looks at... America now, I think, in a lot of ways, and also the past. Um, it says it talks about our nation's history um, and his experiences within that, including the AIDS crisis, 9-11, and, of course, you know, election of Donald Trump. So he's a really fantastic writer, um, and I'm, I'm excited to see what his essays are like. Nice. Um, my next one is Blackfish City by Sam J. Miller. Uh, this is... I hate when publishers do this. They put it as fantasy and science fiction. It sounds more science fiction-y to me. Um, first off, it has a blurb by our buddy Ann Leckie. 
um, which is nice. But it's a kind of a dystopian future where there is a floating city constructed in the Arctic Circle. And it's this, they're talking about this, this remarkable feat of mechanical and social engineering. Um, they, the city is kind of starting to fray and, and pull apart uh, economically and people are very stressed out. And then all of a sudden, a strange new visitor arrives, a woman riding an orca with a polar bear at her side. Sure. They call her the Orca Mancer. Um, she starts to bring people together that live on the periphery and um, start to stage uh, resistance. So sounds very interesting. It sounds, it's a, it sounds like it's a unique take on a lot of the dystopian types of stories that we've seen in the past. You know, Man in the High Castle and Handmaid's Tale and all those things. But they, you know, they take it to the Arctic Circle with an orcamancer, which is fun to say. <laughs> all right, this is my last one. The Library, A Catalog of Wonders. Yeah, that was my last one, too. See, okay, so then there was one I thought you didn't put on. That's okay. We can mention it at the end. Okay. Um, so The Library, A Catalog of Wonders by Stuart Kells. It's a book about libraries, you guys. It's like all kinds of libraries. All kinds of libraries. All kinds of libraries. From those lost libraries, like the Library of Alexandria. Oh, man. Every time I think about that. It makes me so sad. There was like the Sequest episode way back in the nineties where they would they like discovered the lost library like Alexandria I uh-huh. think it was like magic um Alexandria ah call fun random tangents okay so uh, of course we have real life libraries like New York City Public Library and L A and all these international libraries he talks about um. Libraries that have never existed, mm-hmm. which we did an entire, oh, I did an entire episode on you all my favorite <laughs> fantasy libraries. So um, it's it's a book about libraries. You, I wonder if you get an acknowledgement on this. You probably just listened to your to your episode by Can yourself. I guess probably not. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it sounds super cool. I such a fun way to look at it, like because um, it's, it's such a it's just this area that there's so much in libraries and it you can do so much with it where it's not just a room of books and taking like the fantasy ones and all that's really fun so that was my last one too so you can talk about the one you thought i was gonna have i thought you're gonna put north by sky Durek on there i did not i didn't honestly i didn't even see it i've been so see, guys i've been so out of whack i didn't even know scott Jurek had a new book coming out scott Jurek does it's all about his um run on the appalachian trail his ridiculously long run that at the yeah. time did set a record for the quickest time getting through the appalachian trail which i think has since been broke by like several days or some bananas thing but um scott jurek is an ultra marathoner who is also a vegan um he's written a couple of books and he just he's very interesting just i he talks about running in a way that it's like so then i run the next time like i don't know what i want to if i could sit down with him i'd be like what do you think about when you're running for 24 hours. Right, because I think... So for those who don't know, ultramarathoners... An ultramarathon is anything above and beyond the 26.2 of a regular marathon. Right. But in um, most terms, it's like 50-mile runs or 100-mile runs mm-hmm. or 24-hour runs. Yep. And what's that crazy one? The Barkley and, like, all these. <laughs> so he... Yeah, so Scott, Scott is... An ultra marathoner, and he ran the Appalachian Trail. Yeah, he, 
first off, if you guys, when you're done listening to this, go look up the Barkley. It's There's this great documentary about it. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember, but it's fantastic. Yeah, the Barkley is this crazy run. It, but yeah, ultra marathoners, he, he has. He's done, he's done everything from like 135-mile trail runs to this 24-hour run where they basically take a lap around a, a one-mile uh, loop for 24 hours, and you see how many miles you can run. And he does. He does all this. He, he very rarely like listens to music, and he's he's very like um, spiritual in the sense of like he gets lost in nature um, in his mind. And I would love to talk to him about all those things. So the Appalachian Trail would be perfect for him. Yeah. Um, I can't believe I missed that. I'll put that on my list before we release this episode. That's why I was surprised. I was like, I blew it. As soon as you you were yeah you mentioned the other one, I was like, I wonder if we put it on here because I yeah. didn't thinking he would. You were right to think I would. If. My head was on straight. I had to just come back true. from multiple different places. That's fair. Um, so those are all the books we're excited about in April. Um, yeah, uh, let's see some more things. Oh, congratulations to Tomi Adiemi, who has now spent multiple weeks on the New York Times number one bestsellers list after her debut, Children of Blood and Bone. That was awesome. Um, so excited for you guys to hear all the interviews I did at PLA. They will be spaced out when the books come out, much like at ALA. Right, because I'm still holding on to a few. Yeah, and we will be for a while. I think several of mine come out in, like, June. So, I had one, and I don't want to talk about the author just yet, but it was her first time ever talking about her debut book, which is, like, she's like, I'm so nervous, and I was like, oh, you're going to be such a bigger deal. I feel like we get a lot of those, because I think I had somebody else. Well, we've had, like, Lindsay Miller. When Mm -hmm. we talked to Lindsay, we were the first ones. I also feel like when I was in... When I was at Midwinter, there was somebody I was the first one well, I mean, to the, talk to about yeah, the book. The reason why, and just for you guys listening, and like, if you have never been to a library conference, if you're not a librarian, um, they bring a lot. the The publishers bring a lot of authors, and they're either really well known authors who have books coming out that people know about, or they might be debut authors that are getting a lot of hype, and their books tend to come out a few months after the conference. And the reason why is they'll give these librarians advanced reader copies of all these books, so then they can start talking about it because librarians are one of the, you know, one of the people, much like booksellers, like, they see hundreds of readers every day, so they can talk about these books if they're interested. So because of that, if it's a debut author who doesn't, you know, whose book is just coming out in a couple months, odds are that is, like, their first exposure to promoting their book. So, and then a lot of times, if we catch them early in the convention, like, they haven't talked to anybody yet. So it is fun to... It's it's fun to talk to someone like that. Like I talked to this particular author, and then I talked to another author who was releasing like her fifteenth book, and it was just fun to see the difference of how they answered questions and their like mood and everything. Right. It was good times. It was fun. And Philadelphia is a fun place. I got lost wandering around downtown. Long story. Um, but yeah, Philadelphia. Did you like, see the bell? We did not see the bell. We didn't have a chance to go do too much touristy stuff. Well, that's true. You had a very tight schedule. Yeah, we were working all day and then overdrive through a party for... we. Recently, yeah, you did. Yeah, we recently surpassed 1 billion digital checkouts all time. Um, that took about 10 years to get to. And the crazy thing is, is we're going to hit 2 billion in like two and a half years from now. Um, so that was really cool. So we celebrated with a thousand librarians in a room together celebrating. I'm sure some of them are listeners. I hope they are. In fact, I know for a fact that they are because many of them came up and said how much they enjoy us, which is cool. Um, 
I always love when people come up to me with no frame of, no frame of reference. I'm like, tell Jill I said hi. And I'm like, have we all met before? I'm like, no, I listened to that thing, you dummy. I'm like, oh, right. There's over 200 episodes of Jill and I talking. <laughs> um, anything else you think people should know about? No. Cool. All right. Well, happy spring, everyone. Hopefully it's warmer where you guys are at than us. Got that weather talking. Uh, yeah. Enjoy those books. Let us know what you are enjoying this month as well. All right. Bye, everybody. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.